This is the Kona Edge, the home of Ironman triathletes who dream of qualifying for the World Championships on the Big Island. Welcome on to yet another edition of the Kona Edge. Every now and again, I get to chat to an athlete that I just literally, I don't even have to ask questions. I can sit and listen to them for days, and today's podcast is one of them. I love stories around the sport, uh, and our guest today has got stories about Iron Man and Kona coming out of his ears. Uh, he's been around the sport for a long, long time. Uh, he's been pretty much racing on the Big Island since the early 80s, and uh, if you want to check out some incredible pictures uh, of him racing on the Big Island in those early days we'll chat about uh, some of those things uh, and the gear that they had in today's podcast all you have to do is head over to the coneedge.com uh, and you can find all of that out there before we get into uh, my chat with rudolf von berg and i'm talking rudolf von berg senior because he's got a son who is uh, in his own right a fantastic triathlete but i'm talking about uh, rudolf von berg senior uh, fantastic guy incredible athlete and uh, yeah just someone who loves the sport of triathlon to know in but that's coming up in a mo don't forget this month we are giving away an entry into a half Ironman uh, event, anyone you choose. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. All you have to do if you want to find out more about it is head over to the KonaEdge.com forward slash win. I've been talking about our patron uh, sort of uh, platform that we've got access to here on the podcast, and we've got lots of people supporting us uh, and helping us to keep the lights on. But uh, I want to give something back to you, uh, our patrons. So if you are willing to become a patron, and I'm not asking for much, literally, uh, from as little as a dollar a month, you can uh, pledge your support and uh, help us out. For every dollar that you do pledge, I'll pop your name into the hat. And uh, at the end of June and uh, at the end of every month, uh, we'll be giving away some cool stuff. We're chatting to a couple of big brands at the moment. uh, And I've committed uh, until the end of the year to give away a half Ironman entry every single month. So the first one's happening in June. Entries close for this month's uh, one. You need to become a patron before the end uh, of June, before midnight on the 30th of this month. Uh, All you need to do is head over to theconaedge.com forward slash win to find out more. It's time for today's Coach's Corner. If you're an athlete looking for a coach, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, we've got access to some of the best triathlon and Ironman coaches around. If you'd like to find out more, uh, hook up with one of our coaches, whether you need help with a swim, bike, run, or nutrition, all you have to do is head over to thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. You can get all the details there. Check out all the coaches that uh, we've got access to. And don't forget, too, if you are a coach and you would like to get access to uh, the podcast and get uh, a bit of a plug on the podcast, all you have to do is head over to that same URL, okay? It's thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. Uh, scroll down to the bottom of the page and you can get all the details there. So that's thekonaedge.com forward slash coaching. Well, for the first time, we head to France and the south of France, a beautiful part of the world and fairly close to the Ironman Nice route, uh, as a matter of fact. And it's a great pleasure to welcome Rudolf von Berg onto the Cone Edge. Rudolf, welcome onto the Cone Edge. Thanks for joining me today. Yes, thank you, Brad. Thank you for uh, asking me to do this interview. Rudolf, one thing I love about doing this podcast is I just get to chat to athletes from all over the world. And uh, you're the, the first one we're speaking to who lives in France has got a, a very diverse background. You were just telling me before we started recording uh, that you've got ancestry from Hungary, from Belgium. You've spent time in the States. So you, you, you're pretty much a citizen of the world. Exactly, yeah. That, that, that's how I really consider myself. Uh, I'm... 
I've moved so much during my life, uh, you know, four or five different countries that I feel at ease everywhere. I, I adapt uh, immediately to local customs uh, wherever I go. And um, so, you know, there are no boundaries really for me in my life now. And, and, and having a sport like triathlon really does bridge things too. It, it doesn't matter where you're from in the world, we've, we've got this one thing in common. Exactly. In fact, I pick my races very often in relation to to the country or, or, or the spot where they are that I would like that I want to discover that usually I don't know, and uh, it's part of my uh, you know race uh, uh, picking. Absolutely. Let, let's talk about how you got into the sport, Rudolf. Uh, were you always growing up? Were you always active? Uh, I mean, what what's your sporting background? Yeah, extremely active. Since I was eight, nine, ten years old, I started to to do all sorts of sports. So I started with the team sports because in France, usually you only have team sports in school. So, so I was part of soccer team, basketball team, handball team. And then I switched to uh, track and field. Then in the, in the later years of high school, you know, 16 to 18 years old, the last three years, then I was in the varsity team of my school in uh, soccer, basketball, tennis, alpine skiing, and, uh, and, and track and field. And in track and field, I was doing five events. So I was pretty much, you could say, uh, you know, without being presumptuous or too arrogant, now that I'm 60 years old, I think I can tell the truth, right? <laughs> I, I, I was pretty much a natural in sport. You know, I was picking up a sport real fast, and I would be immediately in the varsity team of, of the school or, or the university. Because then when I went to college in Babson College in, uh, in Massachusetts, you know, just outside of Boston, I was in the varsity team of the soccer team, the, the tennis team, and, uh, and the alpine uh, skiing team. So you see none none of the triathlon sport yet at that moment. <laughs> but, but in saying that, having a, a diverse sporting background and then coming into a sport like triathlon, it really does help. Uh, I, I mean, often we'll see an athlete come in from a swimming background or a running background and they, they're really good at that one specific sport. But someone like you who's got that all-round ability, you, you found the transition into triathlon pretty easy, I'm sure. I think that's really the thing that that help, helped me being uh, reasonably good, uh, reasonably fast. Because swimming, it's something that usually you would say, I mean, it's so technical that you have to start learning when you're a kid. In, the, in fact, all my children, I put them in the, in the swim pool at five years old, six years old to, to learn the technique because I started to swim only at 27 years old. And uh, But, you know, so, somehow, I don't know if it's because all my life I've been watching uh, uh, sports on television, uh just watching the people when i went when i went in the pool i was reasonably good pretty fast and uh biking you know the idol of my youth was eddie Merckx. so the the famous uh, belgium mm-hmm. rider are you still still there brad yeah i am listening and um so i watched a lot of bike race even though i basically didn't bike except a small hint with the with the Belgian national uh, ski alpine team because we would do some hills with the bike as a training for skiing but you know we would meet only twice a year so I would you know bike maybe two or three times a year so it was I, I, I really had had not biked in my life until 27 years old and and running I had done some running, but it was, you know, the 1K on the track and field team in high school, which was nothing. I mean, we would train a month for that, and and, and that's it. 
And then I, I as a fluke, as, as a joke, as a bet, I did twice the, the Boston Marathon while I was in Babson College. The first year with three weeks of practice, and I didn't finish, and <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and the second year with uh, two months of practice, and then I finished. But, you know, I was, um, I was a complete ignorant. I did that marathon without drinking a single uh, cup, cup of water because I thought that eating and drinking while doing sport w- was detrimental to you. So, so my goal was to finish the Boston Marathon without, without taking any fluids whatsoever during the whole race. And the last 10K were a horrendous nightmare. <laughs> but I refused to walk one single meter and I finished the race uh, you know, in, in, in less than uh, three hours, in less than four hours, I had three something, three forty-five, and I was on pace of of two thirty after after half marathon. That I completely collapsed, and then I learned my lesson. And after that, I started to really learn to really read a lot of things. And then suddenly, one day, I heard about the world the, the word triathlon and the Ironman in Hawaii. It was in the Boston Globe. They were mentioning. Than that, a few weirdos were doing this this race with three outrageous distance on an island, and I said, "What is this? I mean, this is impossible to do, except if you if you move to the island and you train for a whole year just to do it." And then it disappeared from my mind. And at the end of college, about two years later, while I was in uh, New York. I was coming back home. I was a commodities trader, but I was still uh, in a soccer team. I was running around Central Park. I was still very active. And then I saw a flyer of um, a Big Apple Triathlon Club. So the phone number, and I called a guy. The guy was named Dan Honig. I still remember his name. We talked for an hour on the phone, and he hooked me. <laughs> and that was the 31st October 31st 1983 on November 1st my uh quote unquote career as a triathlete started and uh, and it was in New York I would I would uh, swim or run in the morning and then in the in the, the spring bike in the morning and then swim or run in the evening and the club was going to the to the uh, Bahamas Triathlon. It was a triathlon called at the time the Diamond of the Stars. It was it was organized by a guy called, if I recall the name, Horner. He had brought multiple uh, Hollywood stars. Uh, I remember Christine Brinkley, for example. That's a name that pops up. But there were other people from the triathlon world. I remember Scott Tinley, the first time I met him there. And I think there were there were some others of the big four. I think maybe Dave Scott was there. I'm not sure. And that that triathlon of the Bahamas was basically a half Ironman with weird distance, a little bit more in in every sport, and then a little bit less, but around the half Ironman distance. That was my first triathlon ever. And uh, and that hooked me for the rest. And after that, I did triathlon about about every week, and in in. At that moment, we are in 84, and in 84, you don't need to qualify for, for Hawaii. And as a foreigner, I mean, they almost invite you to come because they want foreigner. They don't want the Ironman to be only an, an American affair. 
so it was very easy to enter the race. So with a few friends from New York, we went to the Ironman uh, in Hawaii in October, in October '84. Wow! And during all these months in New York, I was training, uh, you know, in the in the pool of uh, yeah. At the beginning, it was a pool that had about 40 meters. I don't know. I had I had to do 112, 120 laps to do to do a kilometer to do one to do one uh, you know one mile and then I switched to to another pool and what's funny in that pool that it was a pool of the New York AC it was New York Athletic Club and it's not a joke what I'm going to tell you we were obliged to swim naked you were not allowed a man was <laughs> not allowed to have a bathing suit so, so all my training was doing was you know swimming naked in that swimming pool in New York, and that, that that's how I got you know <laughs> ready into swimming. <laughs> that's a, that's uh, an incredible story, Rolf. I love it. I absolutely love it. The, the sport has changed a lot since then. Obviously, you you had a, a very early early on experience at uh, on on the Big Island in the early eighties. You you've been uh, many times since. It's it's a very different sport to what it is uh, what it was back then. But it's a very different sport from all points of view. When you see my pictures in, in the 80s with, with the bikes, we had the helmet. We, we, we had, I mean, just the way we were. I mean, it looked look like really the prehistoric times. It, it's almost like uh, watching the, the Tour de France in the, nine, in the 1900 at the beginning when you compare the, the bikes then and the bikes now. I mean, it's, uh, but it also changed, the whole thing changed also in Kona, you know, Kona was this very small village. There was very few stores. There was no traffic on the highway. You could go to the airport and not see one single car. In a certain way, I'm nostalgic. I have to tell you the truth. We, you know, it's, it's interesting because the other day, I mean, the other day was a few months ago in Kona. Uh, I was talking with uh, with Mark, Mark Allen, who has remained a very dear friend. And we were talking about those all these years, and he was asking me, "I would like to know, from your point of view, really what has changed? What can we do, uh, you know, to make it better, to improve the race now? How can we do? Not, of course, it will never feel again like in the '80s, but what can we do so everybody? Because we hear so many bad stories about about Kona and Ironman now, so so many negative stories, particularly around the fairness of the of the race, and particularly because the drafting is very poorly marshaled. And, and, and as a result, we were you know we're talking about that, and we realized that both he and me were very nostalgic about this. <laughs> you know, the 80s for me, and for him it was the early 90s because he didn't really compete in the 80s. So the, the whole thing has changed. Uh, it was a family affair. You know, I remember Valerie Silk when I crossed the finish line. I don't remember if it was 85 or 86. She, she, she sang happy birthday because it was my birthday on that day as I, as I was crossing the finish line. I mean, can you believe that? That would never happen now. You know? <laughs> the race director singing when you're crossing the finish line in Hawaii. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. So it just gives you the idea of, of how it has changed. So. You talk about it being a family fair. Your, your family's grown up around that race. You've, you've got a, a son who's a, a pretty good triathlete in his own right as well. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I'm very subjective on that, of course. <laughs> I, I think he's, he's, he's I, I feel he has a great potential, and he's, he's more than, than, than pretty good. And he, 
if he maximizes the way he trains and if he does everything well, I think he should do extremely well. He's really, he's really built, he's really made for the long distance more, more than for the, for example, the, the, the ITU distance. Mm. And, and I remember when he was still very young, he was, uh, he was about 16, 17 and, and uh, Craig Alexander had just won Hawaii when he was in a, I don't think I'm, I'm making a mistake. He was 37 years old, and and Rudy, when he saw that, he said, hey, Dad, uh, "Papi, I, I have 20 years to win Hawaii." You see, so he's uh, he has that goal in his mind, uh, and, and and someday I I hope we'll be together at the start of that race with the goal. You know, each one of us to to win, of course, me in my category and himself. You know, to do the best he can in the pros. So that would be interesting. That, that would be amazing, Rolf. What's the what's the secret to to your longevity? You you talk about racing still today. I mean, you you were talking about racing and hard racing in in the early eighties. How have you stayed fresh and and stayed on top of your game and and not got burnt out over over that sort of length of time? Well, I think the motivation comes from many, many, many different places. Uh, I think it comes originally, I mean, just from my, my inner, inner inside, if, if, if I can say, I was, as you said at the beginning of the, of the, of the telecast, I was always very active when I was young. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I recall in my adolescence, I was really, I was really ashamed of myself physically. You know, during the during the the summer the summer months, I was always uh, embarrassed to not have a T-shirt. I was embarrassed to be topless because I felt I was too skinny. I had no muscles, so that has put me in sports since my my really early early use. And I and I I, I never left that sports environment. But for me, it was a way to develop myself to be healthy. And then I noticed little by little that I was, I was, as I told you at the beginning, I was uh, pretty good in sports. I was immediately in, in, in varsity teams. So uh, th- then I said, and I, I love this. I love the sports. I love the competition. I love to win. I love to be the best uh, that I can be in something. You know, to study all parameters and to, to try to manage everything and, and, and to to really, at the end of the day, maximize my potential in something. But I've, I've, I've done that also, you know, not only in sports. I've, I've done that in everything I've been doing. I always try to do it the best, really the best that I could, I could be at that thing. And in, um, so, so then that that has developed uh, through the through my adolescence then through the college year i was always very active but then when the family came i started to find my motivation somewhere else then i say okay how can i be the best father possible for 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 my children i'm going to start i'm going to try i'm going to try to lead by example i'm going to try to show them what's a, what a healthy life is and I'm going to, to, to tell them about nutrition. I'm going to try to fight the pernicious uh, you know, influence of society. Uh, when my children were in school, there were a lot of drugs, a lot of cigarettes, a lot of sedentarity, no sports. So a lot of negative influence that are coming from all over the place. So I was trying with my wife to, 
to, to fight that at home. We, we also try to not be invaded by, by the, all the technological advances of society. Some are good, but some are really not good when they enter your home and, and they have your children uh, in front of them for, for years, I mean for hours during, during the day. So for example, to, just to give an example, all these, these game things, you know, the Nintendo, the game box, uh, I mean one has never entered the, the, the first 20 years of, of, of my children's life in, in the home here. Um, we, we really kept these things outside. We put them in sports immediately. We taught them about nutrition. We taught, taught them about health. And at the end of the day, they were always telling me when, we, when they're coming back home, you know, you know that in my, school, in my class, you know, there, there are 30, 30 guys and girls in my class. There are only three of us who don't smoke. And there are only two of us who do any sports, and they were they were kind of very proud of that, and and it shows that uh, you know the fight the fight was hard, and it was very important for us as parents to do that. So that was an increased motivation, and and for me, to keep on racing, and to keep some years to be the best in the world in my age age group, and to show that to them because all these trips. Once they were they were grown enough, once they were basically five years old, we would bring them all of them to all the races we would go abroad, and they were all major races, you know, in Roth, in Hawaii, in in Ironman, uh, in Austria, in uh, I mean all the places where, where we went, they were coming us. So that was the you know you know the the, the second main motivation that 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 came in my life. It was. In a certain way, it was an educational tool. It was really geared toward towards my children. Now they're not there anymore. Now they are all grown up. They all live somewhere else. So now I have to find again my motivation somewhere else. And now, really, you know, when you're 60 and when you start to have some uh, discomfort or some, you know, not health problem, but some... Uh, some weakness that start to appear, you know, after 50 years old, some joints, some things, whatever. Then I started to realize, okay, now health becomes my main motivation. Health is paramount for me. And for me to have that health, to have that longevity, I cannot be sedentary. I, I have to keep on doing sports. And the healthy sports, I mean, among all the sports that exist in, 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 in the world, the four healthiest sports, three of them are in triathlon, swim, bike, run. The fourth one is cross-country skiing. Why? Because those four sports are what I call straight sports. It means you're doing them basically in a straight line. You see, you don't have torsions like in all uh, team sports. You don't have uh, torsions of your joints, your ankle, your, your knees, like in squash, like in tennis. You know, those are sports that many people over 40, 50 keep on doing, but it's not good for them. So in a certain way, the best way to be healthy in your life is to do triathlon because you have three of them. You know, you, you get three of them for, for, the, for, 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 the, for the main, uh, for, for, the main for the whole deal. So it's fantastic. So if you don't have any structural problems and you don't have major health issue, uh, the best way to be, to be, in, you know, to have long-term health 
is to do triathlon. And now while you're doing them, you obviously have to be very you have, you have to know yourself. And then you know all all training uh, program uh, have really to be tailored with one single person. We are so much different that I don't believe in all in, in these people that receive these training plans and that are basically made for everybody. Each one of us has to start to know each to know, to to know oneself very well, and then to adapt uh, the, the training program to itself. And we know very well that at uh, you know after 55 after 60 i mean physiologically in a triathlon in an ironman we're really not built anymore to be able to race a marathon uh, at, at most you can uh, i feel we, you you can survive the marathon but you cannot really race it so since if anybody wants like i do to be competitive when I'll be 65, 70, 75, 80, 85. One day, I hope to be the long, to be the oldest person to have finished within 17 hours the Ironman in Hawaii. That's, I remember when, when I was interviewed 20 years ago, I mentioned that out of the blue like that in the interview. And it was kept as a, as a title. And unfortunately, in a certain way, my children... Almost every two or three years, they remind me that, hey, Dad, remember, <laughs> one day you'll be the oldest person to, to finish Hawaii, which, which means to also win Hawaii in, in your age group. And that. So you, you have to be there. Now you're 60. Be careful. You had a few broken bones. You had a very bad accident five years ago. You have to be careful in, in those roads with used cars because we want to see you there at 80, 85, and maybe more. But the only way to get there is to manage everything I'm doing now in, in relation to sports um, with that in mind and not thinking that uh, the, the race, uh, you know, the European Championship in, in two weeks or the World Championship uh, in October or in September, it's, uh, it's the end of, the, of my life or it's the end goal. No, that's not the end goal. So in order to be again competitive 20 years from now, I have to prepare that already now. I have to be smart already now. So that's why I, everything is really a return on investment. Um, I calculate uh, the, the, the time and the energy spent in an activity and, the, and the, the reward and the return I'm getting from it. If I have to spend lots of hours in the car, for example, I'm taking that as an example, the, the, the swim, in the car to go, to go in, a, in a pool which is 30 minutes away and then have to come back and then you, we don't have master's programs here, here in, in France like we have in the States. So you have to, to swim alone basically in the pool. You have to come uh, to gain what? To gain in a half Ironman, I'm going to gain what? I'm going to gain, what, 30 seconds? Maybe one minute? I mean, this is ridiculous. Mm. So I've decided I'm not swimming from October to April, except, of course, if I'm injured. If I'm injured, I have a bad injury. I had a bad injury this winter, my first hamstring tear in, in, in 40 years. So I swam a bit more. But let's suppose I don't have that. I, I would not swim for October, April, because it's just not worth it. You know, the gain I'm getting out of the energy and time spent on it is not worth it. Now I'm switching to running. If you want to still be able to run at 80, 85, there is no way you'll get there. If I run, and I'm not going to give you very high mileage, if I run 50 or 60 
kilometers a week, you know, when I'm 60, I'll not, I will not make it. So I have an average, even in an Ironman year, between 25 and 29 kilometers a week. That's my average. I can show you my training log. And, um, and that's, that's the way I'm going to do it. Providing I'm lucky, I'm not facing cars during, during you know, my bike training, which is uh, perhaps the, the biggest danger we face as, as triathletes. As you can see in, in, in the news, there are, really, there are so many that, that get, get hurt and killed that it's, it's terrible. And, uh, but providing the, you know, the good star is still there, if I, if I, minim, if I minimize the, um, you know, the pounding and the running and I train smart in the running and in everything else, and, and of course, we're talking also about nutrition, where we, we, I consider we eat now extremely well for the last 20 years. We re- really eat extremely healthy. And I think it's also one of the major parts of, of, quote, unquote, my you know, present success. And um, then you can see a roadmap towards, uh, you know, towards the next uh, 20, 25 years uh, of my life oh, racing iron man that's incredible rudolph you've you've been on the big island for for the best part of four decades essentially is there one race that really sticks out in your mind as as a favorite within all that time or is that is that too difficult to answer my favorite race is not hawaii it's not the iron man i'm telling you right now um in a certain way Perhaps you would have asked me the question at the end of the eighties or early nineties. I might have said, I might have said uh, Kona, because of the reason I mentioned before. Mm. It was a much smaller race. The drafting was was very well marshaled. So basically, it was a fair race. It was the most competitive race in the world. It was a fair race. Now it's not a fair race anymore. Last year, I, even though I won it, I really did not enjoy. It. I really. I, I, re- I have to tell you the truth. I hate it, in fact, because it was the race was so unfair on the bike. There was so much cheating. I was, I was frankly, I was completely disgusted, and uh, I really didn't like it. And I, 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 I post a huge post on Facebook. Had a lot of feedback. I hope some people are going to do something in Hawaii. I hope they're going to change. Uh, you know the. Uh, for example, the the, the the swim starts, which is one of the reasons why, why the bike is, is so clogged. There are also too many people. So you have to start to have a, an age group wave start, uh, even though some people I know like the, you know, the mass swim start, but it's not reasonable anymore. You have to decide. It's a world championship. It has to be the fairest race in the world. It cannot be um, the worst uh, how, how do you say that in English? The the least fair race in the world is the wor- world championship. Come on, is has to be the best race in the world from all point of view, and it's definitely not. So now to come back to really to your question, I I think I really love the Ironman in Roth in Germany. The atmosphere was was fantastic, and not only at the you know the, around the, the the finish line. The atmosphere is fantastic. The crowds are amazing in all the hills. And, and, and when I was doing it in the 90s, we were 
there were basically we were doing uh if i recall we we're going two loops of, of 90 kilometers and there was yeah, two major hills and the third one but on these three hills it was huge crowds in one of them there was exactly one yard to go through on the bike there was so much a little bit like you, when you see the stage in the tour de france you mm. see like us they go they're going up you know everybody's touching the race you remember last year i think it was uh where did Chris Froome uh, fell? Uh, you know, in the Mont Ventoux when he was yep. running? Yep. You remember? Yeah, Mont Ventoux, exactly, yeah. Exactly, but it was exactly like that in Rome. Wow. He really had, had one yard to, 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 to put your body and the bike, and there was no way that two bikes could go side by side. But, but for, for, for an athlete, the, the, the atmosphere and the support of the people and the, the – the enthusiasm of the German crowd were were exhilarating. Uh, really, you would not feel any tiredness once you were there. So, so I I think I really can say that Ironman Road was uh, well, it's not an Ironman race now anymore. I think it's owned by Challenge. It was my favorite race, really. Fantastic. Well, Rudolf, I'm looking forward to chatting a little bit about uh, the individual disciplines and, and some of the things that you've, or lessons that you've learned and things that you've implementing in, in your training right now. And we'll save that for, for another podcast. Thanks for your time today. Okay. And that's it for today's edition of the Cone Edge. What a cool guy, hey? Uh, oh, man, I can literally sit and listen to him for days and days and days. We'll catch up with him next week, uh, Thursday, to find out a little bit more about his swim. I want to find out uh, if swimming naked is the thing that uh, really has given him the edge uh, <laughs> when it comes to his swimming uh, over over the, the decades that he's been involved in the sport. Before I do go, though, don't forget to head over to theconeedge.com forward slash win, become a patron, uh, and make sure that you're in the draw. Uh, to win that half Ironman race entry that we're giving away at the end of this month. The URL to get to once again is thekonaedge.com forward slash win. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for The Kona Edge.